This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back to the show. It is Q&A time. Let's go ahead and dive right into the questions. So first question, a nutrition question. I have a client who's experiencing gout. Protein can make this worse. Have you had any experience with with this issue? Can too much protein be bad in some situations? All right, so first and foremost, I haven't worked with any clients um, with gout specifically. But I do know a decent amount about like how we can kind of work around this. So really like uh want to be careful first and foremost with like protein specifically isn't um the issue so much here. And it very much depends. So basically what's going on when we have gout? Um purines, 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 why is that word so hard for me to say? P-U-R-I-N-E-S. Um, are a compound that we'll find in a lot of foods, right? Now, purines are going to be broken down into something called uric acid. Now, uric acid is then going to, sometimes if we have an excess of it in our blood, it will kind of crystallize. And this can turn into kidney stones, but it can also build up around our joints and create some excessive inflammation. So when it comes to managing things like gout, basically we want to choose protein sources that are lower in these purines, right? Um, So basically we're looking to pretty much lean protein sources that are like um, your, basically want to avoid red meats for the most part. And I would, I would even take any of this as, Hey, these things are hundred percent off limits as I'll discuss in just a moment. Because some of these foods are actually almost beneficial or will be beneficial to someone in this situation um, to an extent. So again, like red meats are a good one to limit. Um, I know like alcohol is a good thing to limit. But then when we're looking at, okay, how do we make sure we get adequate protein? We want to, or and many seafoods are a good thing to limit as well. But again, we'll dive into that in just a moment. But so basically when we're looking at, okay, what are solid protein sources to implement here? Um, so again, like a poultry's are a good option. So chicken, turkey, um, eggs to an extent are going to be a good option. Super fat dense foods can potentially trap uric acid in your kidneys, um, or keep it there longer, I should say. So we don't need to follow a super low fat diet, but like going too fat dense probably isn't the best idea here from my understanding of this. Now, also again, like seafood to an extent, um, foods that like a fattier fish and that said again, like (laughs) to an extent we want to limit seafood, but on the, and fat, but on the flip side, um, the omega-3 fatty acids that are going to be found in like more fatty fish, like salmon or even like tuna, for example, are actually going to help reduce inflammation. And here with like this client is likely experiencing a good amount of inflammation around these joints, which is causing some of the pain that comes along with gout. So um, here it's a good idea to actually like implement these in at least a couple times a week, I would say. And really even 
Um, I believe if you look up the recommendations for this, it'll say up to once per day, which I would honestly say is probably pushing it, but likely like three to five times per week, we would be okay with. Now also realize here for this client that getting leaner, and I'm not sure where exactly this client is coming from, but typically in a situation like this, getting a bit leaner will be helpful as well. More often than not, we'll see this in individuals who aren't necessarily super healthy. So here again, like when we're asking, can too much protein be bad in some situations? So absolutely, like we can take protein too far. I know like we talk all the time about the benefits of protein, but also realize that one, if it is um, pushing you to like, okay, we're not getting in enough fat for health or protein intake is so high, basically it's pushing carbs out of the diet so my energy is super low, we can absolutely take it too far. And similarly here, like we have to look at all protein isn't the same. So here again, specifically, we are looking at what proteins are higher in purines versus which are lower. And for the context of this specific question, we're mostly trying to keep proteins that are higher in purines low. So I would first look up like, high protein or high purine foods, high purine protein. And right, we're trying to keep that a bit lower, but again, we know for the overall fat loss of this client, which is going to be a helpful factor here in reducing their symptoms and helping them hopefully move past this long-term, protein is going to be an essential part of a uh, um, of their fat loss. So definitely again, rolling with more um, lean meats, things like eggs, um, eggs, egg whites, seafood, um, fish in moderation, again, is a good option here. And then again, it's more so there's just like red meats we want to limit, wild game we want to limit, um, alcohol we absolutely want to limit. I believe supplementing with magnesium could potentially help with inflammation as well. Um, and then for things... I believe that, and this would want to, is one I would definitely look up also, but um, I believe that tart cherry juice is something that's potentially thought to be helpful in situations like this as well. But as far as gout goes, those would be my recommendations from my understanding. Next question we have, how important is water intake? I was told to drink 100 ounces a day, heard to drink a half your weight in ounces. Also drink a gallon a day and drink only when thirsty. Does water help with body composition? All right, so lots of different recommendations here. Um, so to an extent, yes, water will help with your body composition because for, from the fat loss perspective, if we are dehydrated, we will often experience like thirst as hunger. And this varies from client to client. But a lot of times when we are, like you'll hear the recommendation, Drink a glass of water anytime you're hungry. And to a certain extent, that can be helpful. Like if we are dramatically dehydrated, often drinking, basically drinking water often helps regulate how much food we take in. So from a fat loss perspective, yes, it can be helpful for body composition. But again, this is only to a certain extent. Similarly, if you are very dehydrated, um, training performance will suffer as well. You'll just feel shitty for lack of better terms and you won't be able to train as hard, which of course is going to hurt body composition improvement efforts. Now on the flip side, and this is, um, we went back and forth about this question a little bit further. And we also talked about how, which I've been in the same boat and I've talked through many clients 
uh, with this, uh, uh, I've talked with many clients about this, um, potentially going too hard on the water and actually getting to the point where you it disrupts your sleep every night. So like we were going back and forth about this and she mentioned how, um, or Linda mentioned how she had to wake up in the middle of the night to pee every night. And that was like a thing that was significantly disrupting her sleep. And I know I've been there as well. So on the flip side, we can look at that as, okay, if we are looking at, if you've ever seen the color chart where we can see your like urine breakdown, like, okay, this is clear, this is good, you're well hydrated, or a slight yellow, you want to, so if you look up a urine color chart, which is really typically what I give clients almost always when they ask about this question, um, okay, if we look at the color here, like we should be clear or in this light yellow. And really that's how, it would, honestly, that's how it would judge it. I don't think you need to overthink it too much more than this. Okay, like color, pretty light yellow or clear, I'm good. If it's like uh, a very dark yellow, okay, then we likely need to be better about hydrating. But past that point, again, on the flip side, if it's something that's disrupting your sleep, we know sleep is one of the most important things we need for both health and body composition. You build muscle and your body burns fat overnight. So we need to also, like for many clients, and for me personally, I have to make an effort to very much like cut back on the water after 7 p.m. Just drink it in little sips. So of course, like if you're um, eating dinner after 7 p.m., drink it in sips and that's for me basically like think two to three hours before you go to bed for most people as long as you're getting adequate water throughout the day again pee kind of matches up what we just talked about i would try to just regulate it in sips because also we don't want to go to the point where it is um actually disrupting our sleep and like many people take this a bit too far and then actually your body composition results are suffering because of it so i would think out of any of the guidelines mentioned here Probably trying to drink about half your body weight in ounces is the closest. I think that for many people drinking an entire gallon a day is probably a bit unnecessary. And similarly, like 100 ounces is kind of arbitrary. And even honestly, like a half, half your weight in ounces is kind of arbitrary as well. I would basically just say if pee is clear or a very light yellow, you're good. Just make sure you're taking that box daily and it's likely smart to front load your water more towards the morning. All right, final question, Um, more building questions. So do you typically allow some untracked food or meals during a build? For example, one meal a week where you make sure to hit your protein and calories, but just either don't track it or loosely track. What about being less strict about bites, licks, slash taste? like you would do during a cut? And what about switching some fats for carbs on the weekend for more flexibility? And my other question is, I know you have clients rate the recovery, but how do you gauge that? All right, so diving back into the building here, I love it. So as far as untracked foods or meals go during the build, so really I would say this is typically where I'm a little bit more lax with clients about um, working in like, more flexibility with things like this because again in a build for most most people and we can kind of go both directions with this so on one end we don't want to get super loose with our tracking because like if there's tons of untracked little nibbles bites and tastes throughout the week constantly 
And then it's going to look like, well, what the hell? I'm hitting my calories, but I'm way exceeding my rate of gain. And I'm gaining fat way faster than I want. So from one end, we have to kind of one thing that you always need to be very careful of in a building phase. And this is something I always talk clients through is it's very easy to go into this with this mindset. Okay, I'm building. I'm going to be a lot looser with everything, right? But so then like we kind of just focus on, okay, I hit my overall calories for the day more or less. I hit my protein target for the day. So I'm good. Like it's easy to take a much, much more lax approach to this. But the reality is for like a successful build, we need to have nutrient timing on point for the most part. It does make a lot more difference than people think. Um, very much like we need to have all these details in place. Because again, most people that are going through a true building phase are going to be a bit more advanced. You'll have at least trained for a couple of years. So you're past the point where it's just like, yeah, just hit your boxes for overall protein and calories and it'll go well, right? Which like if we're looking at fat loss, yes, it does more or less come for just retaining muscle, losing fat. Yes, it does come down to overall protein and calories. But then when we get into like building, really, we need to be very detail focused with what we're doing with our nutrition. And similarly, it's also easy to be like, okay, well, I'm in a building phase, so I can be a lot more flexible, which the reality is you have more room to be flexible. Yes. But if we're going, and also we want to pair this with like what the client needs and some people, and we'll kind of set up a guideline to allow for a little bit of flexibility for some clients versus others. And I will often give clients like a little bit broader macro range. So like, hey, you have a little bit more free reign here. So maybe for a client who was in a fat loss phase, it would be like plus or minus 10 grams of fat. Maybe it's plus or minus 15 to plus or minus 20 grams of fat for this target. Probably 15 would be like the upper end of that. Um, But past that point, again, like if we're getting too loose and there's all these um, untracked bites, licks and tastes, which will often add up to a couple hundred calories a day. Um then it's a little bit easier to just gain too quickly and not get as much as you want out of the building phase before you have to go back to a fat loss phase. So for most individuals, I try to like discourage, hey, don't track as accurately because that's kind of pretty counterproductive to the build as a whole. Um, if anything, it's like, all right, so in the, so for example, like veggies are, veggies are one example of this for me. Okay, so if I am building, I'm not going to track my veggies to a T unless it's like something more cal- calorie dense, like uh, sweet potatoes, for example. But I use like, okay, my spinach, I'm going to guesstimate this in a building phase. Whereas like in my mini cut, I am weighing out every single gram of spinach. But even then, like if it's a more calorie dense veggie, we still want to make sure we track that. Or we, But we're not going to accidentally overeat even like 50 calories of spinach. So we can estimate that pretty accurately. But still, like we were plugging those things in. Um, and then past that, some clients will potentially work in untracked meals or even an untracked day. More often than not, I would say it is like, and this is where we will get a little bit looser, but we want to keep it to like, a specific day or a specific meal, not just this is something that you're constantly doing, right? And that's where like the not tracking bites, licks, taste mindset can come back to bite you. Whereas like if it's okay, so one meal, like, and really more often than not, this will just come up as like, okay, so one day this week you have this going on and like, okay, so what are your trade-offs here? Do you want to track or would you rather not track? 
Um, and you understand that like, okay, we might not potentially be as dialed in on this. So for most clients, I'll tell people like, all right, we just want to make sure we hit our protein intake for the day. So I would try to eat like two palm sized portions of protein with every meal at a bare minimum. Um, and this untracked meal again, try to eat a big ass serving of protein. Or again, this is more like an untracked day, but same thing. Like, um, basically we're ensuring that protein is in check and it's not like a day that, Hey, this is just an all out binge, like an all out free for all, which really, by the time we get to a build, people are never in that mindset. So it's never too much of a concern. And really we are more okay with like, all right, so we've kind of talked through how to make this work. By this point, you have a very good understanding of the nutritional principles, like build your meals around protein, um, get a decent amount of fruit and veggies, basically fibrous carbs to make sure you're relatively full and don't make this like a drastic deviation from a normal day would look like. Most people can handle this pretty well. And again, like in a building phase, we're more so, we're also more so concerned with people under eating is kind of the enemy here versus like if there's one day where you as a client go a bit over on your calorie goals, as long as it, again, it's not like such a drastic deviation, like, oh, wow, you have, we went over by like 6,000 calories today, um, which would be very, 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 very hard to do. But um, you went over by like 6,000 calories today and we gained a ton of fat. That doesn't happen. So like one specific day like this where we are a little bit more flexible, like a lot of clients will have, okay, there was one day this week in my building phase where I didn't track and this will maybe come up like every two to three three weeks. And like, okay, of course, like in the fat loss phase, we need to be more dialed in on like our overall calories. But here, like we see hunger was low. We kind of talked through like how the day went. Um, and definitely you were like at your calorie goal, you got had a good amount of protein. Okay, we're cool with that because that's not detrimental. Maybe you went slightly over your calories, but again, we'd rather have you just ever so slightly overdo it than underdo it because we can't go back and make up for time where we were under fueling your body, um, but we do want to make sure we're always fueling you enough in a building phase. And if you add an extra tiny bit of fat, again, we don't wanna to get too carried away with rate of gain, which again is why like this mindset 24 seven throughout a building phase is counterproductive, but like once every couple of weeks, absolutely not a big deal. And it does give people a little bit of psychological, um, psychologically it helps a bit, just a little bit of time away from dieting. But still, again, if we take this mindset too far, then individuals will often just gain, end up gaining fat too quickly. And then we have to go back to dieting sooner rather than later. And then similarly, um, switching some fats for carbs on the weekend for more flexibility. That's absolutely another tool that we'll use. I'll typically tell clients in a fat loss phase or a building phase, I'm good if once to twice per week, you take what we call a flex day, which is basically just, hey, you're gonna hit overall calories, um, you're gonna hit your overall protein goal, and then you can kind of just let carbs and fats fall where they may for some added flexibility. That's absolutely the tool that we use quite often. Um, but again, we don't wanna take that to like every day specific to a building phase because again in the building phase we know nutrient timing is important we know that getting adequate carbs especially around your training is very important so if we're letting like these principles fall the wayside and just like overall calories and protein it does get to be a lot less effective so i know you have clients rate their recovery but how do you gauge that all right so basically in our metric tracker 
we have clients rate recovery on a scale of one to five and kind of we have clients rate both training performance and recovery on a scale of one to five and kind of poor poor training performance or poor recovery are kind of will go hand in hand so if someone has poor uh, recovery they also typically have poor training performance but it also can be like okay maybe my poor recovery was specific to uh my lower body but, but today i trained upper body so i feel good but generally Okay, poor recovery would be, I have very little motivation to train. I'm just feeling fatigued. I'm not feeling great. My soreness and or my soreness is very, very high. I have a large amount of soreness. Decent recovery would be, okay, I'm feeling pretty okay, ready to go train. Um, So-so about going to train actually. And some soreness is present. Um, and then like a four or a five. So very good recovery would be very minimal soreness. And the reality here is like potentially there is a bit of soreness. And I've more so than I've more lately been trending towards I'll likely change this to readiness to train because I think that's actually like psychologically how you're feeling probably a better indicator. Like, of course, we don't want clients absolutely smashed, but oftentimes if we're actually doing too much volume um will or if you're just so crazy sore psychologically you won't be ready to train and i think that that's actually the better gauge and that's more often than not what i'll tell clients as well like basically look at this as how ready do you feel to train the next day so five is okay i'm fired up i'm psyched i'm ready to go one is like damn i really don't want to go train at all and then often like so the amount of soreness will correlate with this and also we know that like a little bit of soreness often should be present. Of course, we don't want to chase soreness. It's not the only proxy we're looking at for muscle growth by any means, but typically a little bit of soreness should be present. Um, And again, that's one of the markers, like good pumps, a bit of soreness, progressing strength, and you are... you are typically pretty motivated to train. You don't feel excessively run down, et cetera, et cetera. Those are really the markers we look at to determine that you're at a good amount of volume. So... Um, really, I feel like your amount of soreness, like sometimes a little bit of soreness will indicate that, um, like often people will get, people get fired up about that. Again, when it's not excessive, it's just like, oh man, like it feels good. I can tell that I trained my back today. That feels great. I definitely disrupted something. I'm excited to go do this again. So again, I'm training more and more towards changing this from actual like recovery one out of five to readiness to train one out of five. But in a nutshell, and that is how we gauge all this. All right, team. And that is all the questions we have for today. Now, before I let you go, I wanted to remind you of our online coaching service. If you're ready to stop guessing with your training and nutrition and start achieving the physique that you've always wanted, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. We apply proven science-backed nutrition and training methods through individualized coaching to help you get the body you want. And we teach you how to keep it for a lifetime, even after we're no longer working together. And then finally, if you enjoy this podcast, do me a huge favor. Leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. This really helps me grow the reach of the show and help more people with this content. All right, as always, thank you for tuning in.